Just looking. Yeah. Thanks. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Drop the Mic Podcast Show. I am Darren Jenkins, your host. On today's podcast, this is a person who I have known for a long time, but we're just meeting, which is so weird. Um, <laughs> Arno Colory, CEO of Stand Up for Passion. Um, how, how's it going, Arno? Very good. Love to speak to you. I, I left New York about, uh, I lived there for 20. 10 years, not 20 years, feels like 20 years, but I lived mm. there 10 years and I came back to my native country, France, uh, just just before the pandemic hit. So early, early, late 2019, early 2020. So I've been in France for mm. a year in Bordeaux. It's very really gorgeous. Oh, I've, you know, I've not been to Paris yet. I've not been to France yet. I've been, it's been like on my bucket list of things to do at some point i need to go i have a friend who's um i don't know exactly what city they're in but they're in they're in france and they've been like like right before covid they were like oh you should come you know you can stay at my place if you need a place to stay and we can and of course covid came and did a <laughs> so um but this was this was um, I was very much looking forward to this podcast because, um, you know, we have known each other. We were just talking about it before the show kicked off. Um, we've known each other for quite a long time, but we haven't. And we've kind of floated around the same circles, kind right. of. Right. But we haven't gotten to meet. And, right. um, and mostly it was all about your initiative of stand up for passion which yeah. was is still one of the things i think is just the most one of the most fascinating initiatives um around can you can you tell us what the mission for stand up for sure. passion is sure it was really to bring the best personal stories of transformation there mm. so what we did the concept was simple uh, i would find the most fascinating, passionate people like you. I'm a people person mm -hmm. that I would find who had a really good transformation arc where there was a really great pivot, uh, a, total, uh, a, a total, as we say in French, virage de vie, like a total transformation. Mm -hmm. What I would do, I would uh, cast them and I would coach them personally for about a month, sometimes six weeks with six other individuals. And we would put seven people on stage, seven minutes each, uh, just a mic, no PowerPoint behind, no nothing, mm -hmm. just themselves and their story. We almost call it raw passion or raw story mm -hmm. because that's what it was. I mean, the, the goal was to get the gist of someone, mm -hmm. right? What that, in French, we call it la substantifique moelle, like what someone is really about. And if you, my, my thing was, I would ask always my, my coaches, you know, if you had only seven minutes, you could give them your message of life. It's only seven minutes and you would die tomorrow what mm. it would be, you know, what's the message you want to give to the world. We all have a, as you know, a, a personal story, very, and we all learn one lesson, it seems, right, right, in our life. And that's what I wanted to get out. So I started in New York in 2014, 2014, we did it 
probably about 15 times in New York, mm -hmm. and we did 10 times around the world, in Japan, in Nepal, in Morocco, in Canada, in Aruba, Latin America, mm. uh, France, we did once on France. Uh, we did it in Geneva, sponsored by the United Nations on diversity and inclusion. It's a mm -hmm. fascinating one. And so, yeah, I, had, I met some fascinating people for that. And you can go to my YouTube channel to see the stories. Mm. I, I, you know, so what kind of, kind of sparked this interest in trying to do this? Like, what was the impetus for the creation of Stand Up For Passion? Thank you very much. Like every creation, I think it's you know it's it's the it's the mixed merging of many things in the same time. But I remember specifically remember I was with my wife, she's Japanese American, and I had been in New York for on and off for three years. I, I came to New York in we were living in LA for five, seven years, and then we moved to New York 2010. But for two, three years, I just I was not really getting New York, except a few, a few events like yours. In the right. time I was still in the acting, movie, uh, stand-up comedy world. And at the time, most of my work, my real work was happening overseas, mm -hmm. all over the world. I would just do work in South Africa, in Japan, in China, uh, different work. And my wife was still living in New York and I, I needed a reason to stay in New York, first of all. Need something that really excites me, besides just, finding a good job to make money has never been the inspiration of my life. I need to be, I, I need to find passion and energy. And as long as it pays the bill, I'm okay. So the only thing I would find interesting thing to pay the bill was overseas trip. Until, and then I'm like, okay, I'm in New York. It's, I mean, everyone dreams to be in New York. I, I have, a, I have to find the most fascinating people, especially one day we went to one more dinner with mm. just bankers and lawyers. Mm. And I told my wife, this is the last New York dinner I'm doing. I don't care what they care about, just talking about money and, and five stars, mm. vacation around the world, just not, you know, those, you know, you, there is New Yorkers and there's New Yorkers. There's New Yorkers like you, artists, and trying to connect to people. And there's the pure greedy New Yorker, mm. which I don't really connect to. And, and that day, I still remember where it was, that restaurant. I think it was in Soho. I, I, I don't know the name of the restaurant, but I said, that's it. And I'm going to find the most fascinating people who are not bankers or lawyers. Hmm. Uh, and I did. I, I searched and I say, I'm going to find them. And then I was talking to a friend at WeWork. And, and together, we came up with this idea. I came up with, you know, why don't I miss? And he's like, yeah, go for it. Go for it. And... And, and he gave me the confidence to do good, even though he, my, he was my business partner for only three months, six mm. months. It, you know, it's like uh, I'm still grateful to him. He, at least he believed in me for those three months. Right. And, and sometimes you need someone else to just push you to do things you want to do, even though that person will no, no longer be on your side six months later. It happened to me so many times. So I, uh, so we did, and we start small. The first event, we're like, I don't know, 60, 70 people in New York, in WeWork, it's Soho WeWork, in mm -hmm. uh, Val Week. And, um, and I still remember the seven first people. And, and, and just when I start coaching them, 
because like you, I had done a lot of acting and public stage. And I'm like, you know, those people are fascinating, but I'm still going to help them to, to be even better on stage. Mm. And when I start coaching them on their passion, one of my friends was from Azerbaijan and almost had become the prime minister. A friend of mine was an Asian-American girl, gorgeous in feng shui, and she used to be a media mogul. Um, so we had, I had amazing people. Mm. But, and then when I start to coach them, they're like, they, they, they start to really telling me about the story of their life, more right. than their passion. Remember, I called the event Stand Up For Passion. But, and I'm like, that's it. And I knew, I, I still remember when they start to telling me about like, they start crying during the coaching because they start to take, to tell the, 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 the most important thing that had happened in their life. Mm. And I'm like, this is it. And I know also, I look at my business partner and I know I'm like, oh, we might not get as many sponsors as we want because <laughs> it's going to be a real raw story, but that's going to be a fascinating event. Mm. And it's exactly what happened. It took me a while to find sponsor, mm -hmm. but we had the, I mean, just, you know, just think of, I'm, I'm just thinking of this Bronx guy, Goldin Martinez, uh, African-American, amazing guy, a lot of energy, but, but didn't know how to structure his energy. He right. came to my office. He wanted to do my event. And I'm like, and I told Golding, and I didn't know anything about him. I'm like, Golding, I feel you have a great story, but you're scaring me. You're like too much. You're in my face. You just, just relax a bit. Tell me your story and tell me, don't try to impress me. Um, just try to be real. Don't try to impress me thing. Right. And he it, it told me an amazing story of, I mean, the, the, the most incredible story of resilience and resistance uh he came twice at the event golden martinez you should just check up his story mm. um i i won't go into detail it's just so personal there was a story of a, a betrayal and uh, incest and jail and everything and yet the guy came out like the most incredible guy ever i mean the most mm. energy guy and and this is what i looked for a uh, story where you you both cry and laugh during a seven minutes period and that's where i'm touched and i'm sure that's where you touch right when people oh. are so open and vulnerable uh, and yet they can laugh about it and yep. we can laugh with them just like Richard Pryor did right in 90, what was it, 1978, I think is in Long Beach comedy mm. thing, right? Where he talks about being burned to death, playing with drugs, and, and then coming out of a, alive, right? And yep. we love him because he was so real, so raw. Yep. And, and he's able to touch us with the most dramatic thing of his life. Mm. And it's that's the story I look for. It's um, it's funny because I think you know, uh, New York is always thought of such a tough, tough, tough city. So very just you know gritty and very. But I think what gets overlooked a lot of times is we're gritty and we're tough because we're passionate about things. True. And the I've you know the True. people who. Like once they get an understanding of how to how to use that passion as yeah. a positive momentum, 
you know, I think that's what happens is like, so a lot of times people used to come to my events and they would run up to me and they'd be, you know, really passionate about, you know, this film or this, this startup or something that they're trying to do. And it was just like you said, they almost, um, it's, I think emotion is kind of like a slingshot. And if you have an X over here where you want to land and you slingshot past that X, you know, because you, you're, you're, you don't know how to ride that wave of emotion and understand where it wants to take you, you'll never hit that X. You know, you've got to, you've got to be able to understand what it is that's motivating you, what's making you passionate before you can even understand how to use that slingshot forward. Yeah. And um, I think that that's what guys like us kind of help do for people. Yeah. No, no, exactly. I mean, I've, is the most resilient people in New York, for sure. I mean, my, we love living here in, in, in Bordeaux, France. It's gorgeous, and mm. the sea, and we, on Saturday, you know, we, we buy oyster for 10 bucks, and we have a, a good white wine for 12 bucks. And, mm-hmm. and we, it's my, my wife, who's from L.A., mm-hmm. and where we are in, in France, she's like, it's magical. It's gorgeous. She had oh, no idea of the... Of, of, <laughs> She had no idea of how gorgeous it is and how good we are for mm. l'art de vivre, for mm. loving pleasure of life and just having good time. Yet, mm. probably because we have that, mm. most people, they are not as resilient and fascinating as people have met in New York. Of course, she also miss meeting people amazing like we did in New York. I mean, every time we would go to an event or party or dinner, or we would meet people with a real story. And, and you know, here quality of life, but New York is is you know just as you said because they went through the struggle, they went through the hardship, they and it makes interesting people, right? Someone said there is no there is no successful people with an easy past, mm. right? Yes. yes, it's so true. So yeah. this is why in New York. Not everyone, but a lot of successful people. But if when you start to dig, not easy. But when yeah. they open to let the stories, like my guys did. I mean, I'm thinking of Goldin. I'm thinking of Russian Rasana Das, um, Indian guy worked at Goldman Sachs. But his dream was to be a spiritual man, mm. and and could not allow allow himself to be. And one day, just he said, "I can't do no, no more." So. He went to sleep in a temple, do meditation at night, becoming a monk. And in the day, he was a trader at Goldman Sachs. Wow. He did that, I mean, in 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 an ashram in Wall Street until he could not do no more and Mm. became a a full monk, then stopping Wall Street. And I mean, it's just a story, Rasanados. I'm thinking of my friend Donaline Civillo, um, uh, American girl, Caucasians. You know, she was the typical sex and the city girl mm. you know, with Prada bags and, you know, the whole thing. And then one day her whole life came to shamble because her fiancé found another woman and say, I'm, no, I'm just like a month before getting married. I'm no longer in love with you. And she lost her job. She lost her apartment all within a month. Yet 
<laughs> she, she become now she's one of the top life coach of New York, right? That happened 10 years ago or eight years ago, I think. And now she's like, you know, super successful and she's doing mm. fine and she loves her life. But without that thing, right? Happened right. to her, she would not have discovered her mission to life. Right. She would have so, just been fashion, maybe, and whatever. One, I remember um, maybe like 2003, um, I, I was going through a tough time and, and um, this person, a f- friend of mine, said something to me that I think I've carried forward forever and I pass it along to people all the time. You sometimes you need to take a step backward in order to take two steps forward. And it sounds very simple, but I think it's very true. I think when these things that happen in your life that are not happy, they're they're stressful, they're they're life changing. Um, you have two options to either let it continue to dominate you or to use it to move forward and um it it sounds like they took those two steps those steps backwards and made several steps forward and i think that's fantastic i mean i i i mean this is the story of my life i kept going backwards to go forward i mean i just i've done that I don't know how many times, right? Yeah. I mean, I was in a, uh, I mean, I just uh, very early, I, I, I live for I'm 22 New York investment banking and I'm 22, 23 and I'm very fast finance. And then I work in other country and then my parents divorce, I'm 25. And right. I go back to France and I stay one year, small studio, I write inspirational novel, nothing's happening, but I get to study psychology and stuff. Year mm. after I get my first TV show in France mm. and then the TV show is canceled. And then again, I'm, I'm going back studying positive psychology and, and, and trying to study, you know, spiritual sense. Um, and I get a top job overseas doing communication, a very exciting job. And then I think I get fired the, the job at the time. I, just, I leave this one. I leave this one. And basically, I kept doing that. And then I went to movies and I did well at the beginning. I was the only French stand up comedian in LA for a while. And I was doing well. I did all the, the comedy show, like Last Comic Standing, and a bunch of TV shows. And and then I produced a movie 10 years ago, and that movie didn't work out. We went around the world, we get some money, we went to China and India. Uh, it was sort of a Borat-like movie. Didn't work at all. We could not, we, we could not distribute the film. And mm. I went depressed. Again, I'm like, oh my, what am I going to do? And I just tried to eat well in sports. And then um, and we moved to New York 2010. Can't find any job. And I've, mm-hmm. I have a need of money at the time. Right. And I'm in need of money, but I'm also in need of a replenish my, my, uh, my fortitude, right? My ability to, to bring confidence and right. even more important than my wallet. And out of nowhere, I get an offer and I, I have nothing. We have my wife and I, we have 2,000 euro in the account. And we live in a studio again for like the third time in um in um where was it uh, Tribe- Tribeca or Soho or whatever but a very small place and two of us and and then I get an offer to uh, start a, 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 an event business in Japan and hmm. I went to create the best you might have I'm sure you've heard the French Tuesdays party 
Have you yeah. been to Turin Tuesday? Mm-hmm. So basically, I got the sort of a license for Asia, and I went to start in Tokyo for one year. Oh. And we we did the best parties. We had the you know the models and the the, the politicians and the sumos and the stars, movie star. <laughs> everyone came to, and we did the best nightclub party. And here I was, you know, I was not 25 years old anymore, and I did the best nightclub parties at the time where I had no more money and I didn't trust myself, and that gave me, you know. Uh, way to 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 get back financially on my feet, but even more important, you know, I I, I gain back confidence, right, right, and then again that event stopped because there's a big tsunami in Japan, right, mm-hmm. March April 2011. I've got to come back to New York, which was good because my wife was like, okay, it's time to come back to New York anyway. Uh, so there, there was about time, and then what happened? We for the very first time, end of 2011, I went to Africa. Was it the first time? Yeah. And I did volunteer work. Hmm. And best thing ever. I was Tanzania and I was working in a village. And, and that's the very first time where I understood the power of storytelling, the power of storytelling to help people uh, to just feel better, telling hmm. the story of their life. I did that in the schools in, hmm. in that village next to the Kilimanjaro and it was just mind-blowing we it was just people opening up I mean young kin just uh, and we're we're doing that for school boy like they were about 16 you know and some of them were bullied some were bullied and we sort of repair the mental state Mm. and it'll take me a couple more years but then 2014 is when I start Stand Up for Passion right but there was a seed there storytelling and then I did other stuff, interesting stuff. And 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 then when we started the event 2014, right? Very successful after a few months. And we did that and all over the world. The last big event was Geneva United Nation, mm-hmm. December 2019. And in January, February, I was working on this 3,000 events in France for September 2020. And it was going to be the big events and I was going to launch this huge event all over Europe. And then, you know, COVID happened. No more event, dead. And then once again, my wife, okay, back to square square one again. What can we do? And, right. and, uh, and I'll probably start again, once again, stand up for passion in some way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. But I say, okay, now I know how to cast people I know I really to bring the best stories. Uh, I know the firms need that, right? The companies, corporation. My wife know how to film. She was a video. She's a video producer. So mm-hmm. now we're starting our new venture. Uh, it's going to be live in two weeks. First in French, and then September in English. And we're bringing the best speakers in the world in terms of humanity, passion, compassion, happiness, uh, well-being, anything around happiness and well-being, both for your personal and your your work life. And we're going to bring the speakers. So we're creating sort of like a masterclass.com website, Mm -hmm. except that it's only geared towards uh, well-being, your well-being. So we're not taking a movie star. I mean, we might take some big actors. We're talking to some actors now. But we're taking um, uh, anyone from sportsmen to famous journalists to adventurer, and they will talk for one hour on how anyone can feel better, get the best of life. So it's going to be like the best inspirational sort of seminar. 
right? That's but cool. but once again, we're starting from a new business, right? But uh, and we are right here in a in an incubator, a tech incubator in Bordeaux, mm -hmm. and and uh, and I love it. It's gonna be you know, it's life continuity continuity uh, reinventing yourself and i don't know how many time i'm gonna have to or i would want to reinvent i'm already the planning the next reinvention right i can't wait when i can i can be based in bali for instance i dream of being based in bali and being around spiritually minded international people with the beach and the sun you mm. know and, I'm, and I can't wait when I go living in Japan again or going back to U.S. I'm now a French-American. I became a U.S. citizen before I left. So, mm. yeah. Uh, how are you? So um, there was one thing I was going to ask you about. And um, so in corporate talk, chief happiness officer is a relative new position for more for the yeah. corporate space yeah. yeah what what does that mean like like you know because i come from you know i've worked at different corporations i don't recall us ever having a chief happiness right. officer and i'm wondering like what does that look like what does right. that mean to a corporate right so it's it's fascinating topic so basically the last seven years of my life have been 50 percent in personal transformation with this event, Stand Up for Passion, and 50% of my life, I've been the evangelist for this job, Chief Happiness Officer. So through conference, I did three TED Talks, and I did a, uh, keynotes at Harvard Business School. Uh, I did uh, at the World Happiness Summit in Miami, World Happiness Report at the UN in New York, and a lot of, lot of conference around the world, and a lot of trainings, I've trained 100 plus chief happiness officer in France, New wow. York, Latin America. And I've been a coach myself as a chief happiness officer coach in corporation for two, three days at a time. So chief happiness officers, the first CHOs were back in 2000. Mm. Uh, a few guys at Google, one of them was Cheng Men Tan, a Chinese mm. engineer, understood there was a, a gap a lack of 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 emotional uh, uh, emotional vocabulary, emotional understanding between engineers and non-engineer, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a cliche, but it's true. I'm working with many engineers again now. You know, they tend to be not like you and I, like a bit more introvert, and you know not communicate as easily. And, mm -hmm. and then the extrovert wants wants to understand now what's happening. Tell me where we are. There's a deadline. Uh, so basically CHO came first as a buffer between employees and between management. Mm. And that's the first thing. So uh, first of all, in terms of a history of chief happiness officer. So in the first, he started in 2000, died around 2002, there was only 50 chief happiness officers mm. in um, San Francisco at the time, uh, very few in New York. And then a few of us in 2013, I, at the time I was doing a stint as a consultant in a tech incubator in South Africa, in Cape Town. I was working for 88 MPH, mm. fascinating uh, African startups. And I was working there for four months. Um, and I heard of the term 
And when I heard of the term, I said, it's exactly for me. And mm. basically, there was a few of us around the world at the same time in New York, in LA, San Francisco, in Denmark, in Belgium. And all of us were like five, six people. We sort of revived the work of Chief Happiness Officer. And now, roughly around the world, there's 5,000 Chief Happiness Officer. Really? Some of them are called Happiness Officer, Happiness Manager, Chief of Vibe, Chief of Purpose, you name it. But basically, there is two things. One is, how can I bring more joy at work? How can I make people more laughing, relaxed, cool, not tense, whether it's through improvisation, bringing stand-up comedian, uh, whatever it takes to bring more joy, helping people to you know relax with yoga, meditation, you name it. The second part of the job, which is even more important, and it's, I'd say it's 70% of the job, is how can I bring more purpose at work, right? So this is why some of my storytelling events, I brought it in the corporate world, mm -hmm. right? So I brought this at employee at BMW, in Japan, for instance, in L'Oréal, in Morocco, for instance, in Nestle, in Morocco, and other companies. Uh, I use this tool in Chanel, in Dior, different corporations. And what I do is we make employee work as a tribe, as a sort of a native tribe, and really share American style, basically also, mm. what's in their heart and why they are the person they are now. So it's deep storytelling without the preparation I was doing while I was coaching my guys for Stand Up For Passion, but really pouring their art out so the, their manager understand who they are, so they understand their challenge, so they understand their need to work this way or this way, right? So everything we do, basically, as a CHO is how can I bring more joy in any way, shape, or form? People more feel cool, relaxed, less boundaries. Sometimes sometime we have to cut, you know, we have to do a little bit of holocracy, which is cutting the title in the company, having a more flat structure. Mm. Very interesting work, right? And it depends each company. So each company I had worked with as a CHO, I do an audit first of the firm. What do they need in terms of human challenge, right? right. And the why the company pay me at the end of the day, two things. When there is a CHO or more happiness at work or purpose at work, less tendency to leave the company because there is a good feeling. We feel good. We want to go back at work and Every studies that show that the salaries is only 20% of the reason we stay at company. Right. There is a minimum salary just to make sure we have enough, we have a roof, we have enough to, we have enough for a little bit of vacation, a little bit of restaurants and stuff. Everything else is the way we share common experience emotionally with our colleagues. Right. So big part of the work is how can I bring the employee more aligned with who they are? Is, is it what they want aligned with the values of the company? Right. Are they what we call culturally fit? Or oh, there's even a term now, culturally add, which means, and it goes very much into mm. diversity and, uh, and inclusion, which is 
what is it that they're adding to the corporate mission, to the corporate culture, right? Mm. And, and to really be aware of it. So every CHO is going to work with different tools, different methodology, different way of bringing the thing. But at the end of the day, again, bring more joy, bring more purpose, bringing what Google call psychological safety. Mm. The fact that we, uh, whichever entity we work with, we feel self safe to be ourselves. It's, it's cliche, but it's real. Most yeah. company again in the world, we don't feel safe to be ourselves. I mean, and some people don't get it. I was on national TV in France a week ago and this guy just, you know, perfect necktie and perfect suit doesn't get me doesn't get this like why do we need that why do we need happiness it it, it was like why do we need he thought this is just what do you want to be you want to be a debate with somebody that's what you just want to hurt people that's what he told me on national and i know he was going to tell me that so what i did is i brought a small teddy bear and i gave him (laughs) just to shut his his his, uh, his mouth a bit because uh, i'm like no but if this is what you want a teddy bear here's a teddy bear right but <laughs> but still i guess you know about 20 percent of manager around the world whether it's in france or us absolutely don't give it you know, don't give a shit if i if yeah. i may say right. excuse my french i can say that <laughs> don't don't care absolutely about what we do right mm. But 80%, 20% absolutely love it, but 80% are open to it because mainly we will bring more creativity in the company. When, you, when you're safe to be yourself, you're going to be more creative just like you as an artist. You want to write when you feel good or, or you know, and you want to interview other people like me maybe because, oh, you feel good. You know, where else I can interview, Right. Well, mm. how your your creativity is also linked, especially as a team. Actually, it's even more true as a team mm. than as, as an individual. Mm. You know, for artists, there's other things playing in mind. But uh, so, yeah, it's a, a long answer to your question. Sorry. I mean, I mean, it's funny because um, I don't think a lot of people understand. Like, you know, in my parents' generation of work was different than my generation this which is different than my nephew's generation um my parents generation i think money was probably money and security was the probably the motivator behind you know their decisions and then my generation was probably like um uh advancement and um security you know and I think today's generation is so much more they they want to feel good about what they do. They want to feel like their what they do counts in the workplace and it's a much more um emotional place where where they're at in the workplace. So I can completely understand why a chief happiness officer makes complete sense especially in a corporate setting where it's easy for you to do 40 hours in a week and not and feel like you're just like this little tiny thing in in the cog of things and feel a little more like not uh, there's no ownership to what you're doing 
and B, you know, to have someone kind of playing um, translator of sorts between translator, the executive, the, the, the top brass and the, the worker class, I think is very important. I think because, you know, it, you know, what's the motivation that you know like what's your which like yeah I, I would have to guess yeah uh, most of the people that i've worked with in the last 10 years they didn't leave the company for because they were getting more money somewhere else they left because they didn't feel fulfilled they weren't happy the communication was not good you know there's a whole bunch of like these things yeah. that my parents would laughed at right you know right. um what so um, let me ask this. What, what does success look like for you? Right. What, what do you consider like success? Right. I mean, it's fascinating question, right? For, obviously it depends for everyone. For me right now, it's to be, to be aligned with my priority. Mm. Right. And, and that's why it changed so many times, lives and countries. Uh, I worked in 30 countries, but I live extensively in seven countries, I think, mm. uh, and, and every time I change career or life, people don't get it. Most of my New York friend or my Paris friend didn't get it when I left New York to mm. live in Bordeaux. Bordeaux is only one, there's not even one million, 800,000. It's not Paris, right? right? It's not as big and it's not even business. In France, it's not like America. In America, you kind of do a big business in Austin, Texas, and Boston, Chicago, New York, everywhere. In France, is Obviously, it's, I mean, it's mainly Paris. Right. Everything else is just, and it's true, Bordeaux is a bit more difficult for business. Mm. But I'm like, it's okay. The priority of my life right now for the next three, four years is to be a good dad. I have right. a three-year-old son. Quality of life is second to none in the world in Bordeaux. I mean, there's the sea, it's gorgeous. Chateau on the weekend is just unbelievable for cheap mm. money compared to New York, at least. Uh, and to be next to my dad. My dad has Alzheimer now. Oh, okay. So it's quite terrible. But, you know, I want to be here before you totally lose it. Right. Uh, we'll see in three years. If in three years is, you know, I don't know in what state we might live again. You know, mm. if it's either better or whatever. But right now I need to be there in France for my son. It's one of the best places I can, I can offer him being French. And my wife, Asian-American, understand him. I mean, she, you know, the schools are amazing, especially for young kids. Not necessarily high school, university in France, no more. But young kids, uh, under seven years, eight, it's really one of the best places to be in the world for that. Mm. So that's what I can offer to my son. And that's where I can be there for my dad as a son. Uh, so I'm a dad, I'm a son. Even for my wife, it's important for her to, you know, she's been 15 years with me and now she gets to learn French and leave that. And we're probably going to leave France again and it's going to other priority in our life. But now we just, and we're starting a new business. It would mm. be much easy, easier to start in New York or LA for sure. We want to do a global platform on wellness. Right. Probably much easier to get, you know, investment fund and, and, and uh, business angels investing. Yet, it's okay. I'm okay. I'm willing to make the sacrifice because my first priority I met 
mm. right? But that's now, right? Ten years ago, we still wanted, you know, I mean, five years ago, we still wanted to be in New York. My wife loved it, New York. She loved the job. She loved the team. She did not want to leave. You know, her personal pleasure was was the the most important and for me i just wanted to travel around the world do my conference and be a coach and i didn't want to be attached by by any i certainly didn't want to be in an office all day long and even if i would have made much more money staying in new york in an office and and you know 10 years ago i was still in la as a stand-up comedian uh, and i loved it right every day on stage and that's what's the most important thing for me Right. Mm -hmm. I was at the sun and I was working out during the day and going to parties and making people laugh. That was the most important thing for me at the time. Mm -hmm. And that's why I needed to grow as a human being. A friend of mine say, told it better than me. You know, the goal of life is just to grow. Yep. Another one say it's just to heal. And I believe, you know, it's between the two. We grow by learning and we we heal by learning, by growing. Right. And, and you know, and we'll see. I mean, I, I, I tell you, I'm already thinking of my next reinvention, living in Bali and, uh, you know, doing some maybe uh, building a spiritual retreat. And I also want to go back to movies one day. I want to go back to movies making film. I'm not sure how, when, mm. but... Uh, right now it's not the, so priority as much for me is if your priority of much and you're aligned with what you do now i mean uh you know i'm uh i'm not 20 even 30 anymore and here i am starting again a tech startup in company and everyone else is 30 years old right here in the in the right. tech incubator i'm probably right. the oldest guy but <laughs> i don't care i love it it's i'm forced to grow i was talking to an accountant today I hate it until now. I could not stand it. Mm. Fine, I'm not going to become an accountant, but I just need to understand more in order to my business to grow so we can raise 500K or 1 million euro in, in six months to make our platform, right? right? Whatever, I'm growing. I know it's, I would have never, you would have given me millions of dollars five years ago to talk to an accountant. I'll say, no way. I'm going to go around the world, speak on stage. No way. But now, I'm aligned with this is it's it's matching my priority. I need to be in Bordeaux, my wife, my dad, and I want to grow this platform. I want to be a global platform and we'll see where it goes. So again, if you match your priority, if if you know at night you it's it's not necessary, you know, happy day, but you know you've done you've done your best building what's important for you, right? Mm. So that's that. And yet, of course, you, you still need, because joy is important, you still need to find a way to remind yourself and do what's, what, what brings joy to you, what brings energy to you, right? So my wife and I, we just, uh, no one does that in France, a very American thing, but we just, uh, um, we hire a personal trainer and he's going to, you know, he's going to work out with us every, every other day here in Bordeaux, in front of the boardwalk. No one does that in, in Bordeaux, right? <laughs> I don't, we, I, it's an American personal trainer actually living here. And because it's important to us, it gives us fun. Uh, and maybe I like it because everyone's going to watch what, what, are, what are they doing, right? Working out <laughs> at the boardwalk. I, I, I talked to a few guys in the incubator and they're like, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that's just i'm gonna drink my wine just go ahead just go work out uh, right 
but I love it, right? That gives me pleasure. And, you know, I still, it's true, like, you know, right now what gives me pleasure is to be with my boy and that he's happy on weekends and we find family that have young kids. So, you know, unfortunately, I don't hang out with my single fun friend, fun guy friend. I miss that. But yeah. it's not the priority. I'm, I, I'm still trying to go and have a beer with them, right? Even though bars are closed in France for months right. because I need that from time to time. I, I, but so as long as the, my priority now for, for, for short-term joy and long-term, uh, sort of a long-term plan to be where you want to be, right? So for this platform to be the, the platform we're working on, we need, I need to work hard now and get investor. So it's up and running and working really well in two years. So, so I need to do now, you know, like a farmer's. So I need just to, to put seeds into the soil, right? Talking to those investors mm -hmm. and those clients and just so it becomes what I want. Right. But I'm ready to do that now. I was never ready at that at 30 or 35 years old, which is fine. Right. <laughs> so, and, and, and then really what's, what's a stake for you? But I can also do that because right. like you, I was an actor and I had fun and I loved it. So, and I want to go back in films, but I, now it's not the best time. It's not what yeah. will make me my mental state the best it needs to be to provide for my family. And and, and then because I think I, I understood so many things about life and happiness. And I met so many things. I think it's, I need to just find those speakers uh, and let them like you. Let them tell the story of their life on the on our upcoming platform. So again, success for me is is you know what you able what how I able to to match your values now in the life you have with what you have. How are you able? So me, I need to do sports. I need to do nature. I want my boy to be laughing on weekends. Mm. So I need to whatever it takes. You know, we're gonna rent a whole gym for him and his friend on Saturday. Just oh, nice. I, like, I love it, you know, because gyms are closed, so it's cheaper. Mm -hmm. And I'm gonna, I went to a guy, so you're not using your gym. How much will it cost to, I want the entire gym, you know, it's a gymnastic gym, right? Gotcha. So can, so three years old can have fun, you know? So whatever you can find right now to give you joy and build your, your long-term future. <laughs> who, who's somebody who inspires you? Oh my God, there's so many. And, and you know, I think your question, it's, I ask the same question to people, but I think it's a, it's a very American thing. And that's, I love America for this way. They are constantly looking for other inspire, mm. people that inspire you. It's strange, but I asked this the other day, I was, uh, you know, I was on a, on Clubhouse and I host a room on, on a Clubhouse in French every Saturday morning on personal growth mm -hmm. and I have hundreds of people. It's becoming very popular. And with you, you know, I want to, I want to build a room on conscious tech in English. Uh, you know, probably in two, three weeks, I will have the key people to, to start this in English. But for now, on Saturday morning, a room and ask, I had 10 guests. 10 French guests, and none of them could find someone that inspired them. And I was like, this is so what? weird. And I'm like, I don't know if it's an American thing. I mean, I was <laughs> like, I, so I have so many people. For now, just now, you, because you, you know, you give me energy, I give you energy. Mm -hmm. But I'm thinking of the first that comes to mind is 
in your line of work, Joe Rogan. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. I love this podcast. I mean, I've, I know I devour, you know, I'm obsessed with this podcast. I love every time we have to drive for more than an hour. I'm like, okay, let's put Joe, my wife and I, it's a, it's pleasure. I mean, it's just mm. pure pleasure. The way he asks questions to, you know, like you is a people person. He had a multitude, different life skills. You know, he's, as you, we, we know his background. So right. uh, Joe podcast, but also people like Joseph Campbell, you know, the American spiritual guy. Yeah. Um, uh, actually, the, the MMA fighter, the, the, the Congo MMA fighter that Joe podcast had, Joe Rogan had on his podcast. Uh, what's his name? Gagu? Something? Yeah. It's amazing. His story is just, if you have not listened to his story, I think he was from Cameroon or Congo. And the way he, he I mean, it took him two years to get out of Cameroon, to go to France, and then from France went to US. I mean, the most incredible journey I've ever heard. Uh, I'm thinking of him. I'm thinking of, um, uh, of so many. Uh, uh, a long time ago, 15 years ago, I used to be really inspired by Anthony Robbins at the time less now now in terms of inspirational speaker a more um uh what's his name the the he, he, un, unfortunately he's dead the american guy uh, he spoke a lot of a spiritual things and he's a very he's an inspirational speaker what's his name um uh, uh oh i'm gonna bring his name he's he's bold 60 white 60 years old white man he used to live in hawaii he died about a year ago. Tu vois, Zavé? Ah non, non, moi j'ai un podcast là. Il faut que je continue mon podcast pour l'instant. Merci. Sorry, hopefully you can edit this. It's okay. It's okay. It's all good. Okay, okay, good. I mean, you know, I book this. I booked this room, right, in a co-working space. So, uh, what's his name? This fascinating guy. Uh, oh, uh, um, oh. Anyway, it'll come back to me. So, uh, in terms of uh, acting, my God, what's his name? Also, um, uh, I mean, Brad Pitt recently. I just love his last movies. Was amazing. In terms of movie, uh, uh, I don't know if you know the filmmaker Werner Herzog. Oh yeah, sure. Oh, I've seen every every single of his movie. I mean, every documentary he's done. I think he's done twenty movies. Every single documentary, every fiction movie he's done, were amazing. Um, and then, of course, Oliver Stone. Every single of his movies. Oh, there's something which you, if you don't know yet, you have to watch two of the best Netflix series, actually French series with subtitles. And I was not a fan, even though being French, I was not a fan of French movie. But right now, the okay. two best TV series are French. One is called 10%. It's about, it's called Call My Agent in English. Okay. And it's about acting agent <laughs> in okay. Paris. And you see all the stories happening with actors and they use real actors. Oh. They have a couple of American actors. Most are French. So you don't know those actors, but you still be very, very uh, entertained by it. It's, it's fascinating. And, and those guys play their own parts. 
So mm-hmm. we, we see them where they diva or they refuse deals. You're going to love that Surrey, I'm sure. Okay. And it's, you know, it's based in Paris. It's about acting and movies. And the, the next one is with this uh, um, uh, black French guy called uh, uh, Omar Sy. It's called Lupin. Oh, yeah. I started watching it, actually. <laughs> loved it. I, I watched it last night, the first season. I, I binge, binge watched the first season, loved it. Uh, I mean, those, those things are, are what fascinating me. There is a book called Joy. Inc. as well by an American guy in San Francisco about happiness at work. A lot of good stuff. Um, anyway, so many things. Yeah. <laughs> um, what I was going to ask you, you know, something lighter of sorts. Um, so you have a background in comedy. I, you know, it's funny. We mean have we seem to have a lot of stuff in common under underneath. Um, I did not know that you were on the last standing, uh, com- uh, last standing com- uh, comic, last, last comic standing, last comic standing. Yeah, right. When, so, like, what happened? Like, when did you get into comedy, and then what made you decide to leave? I left it too, but I wonder what your reasons are. <laughs> <laughs> right. So. Uh, for me, why did I enter comedy? Uh, so I never planned to be a comedian. I went to LA so 15 years ago, about now. Right. Yeah, I was around 30. I had never done stage. Mm. Uh, I had a corporate and adventure background at the time. Never did acting, stage of any sorts. I had done some commercials in Japan a few years back. Right. Uh, random stories uh, and then uh, but oh yeah I had done this TV show in France for a few months at 25 years old and that was it and then I'm like at 30 years old it's my chance I, I had a good corporate job in Paris mm. finance job I was you know living the single life I was 30 years old good job and then one day I'm like you know I I, I always thought I want to be an actor let's go to LA and I had just enough to leave my savings for one year Mm. Uh, my savings were gone after one year. I become like a waiter, like everyone else in LA, right? And then, uh, you know, I'm like, after at some point, I say, just, you know, why just to make fun of it? And I took a, a stand-up comedy course with Greg Dean. He's been a coach to people like Whoopi, uh, Whoopi Goldberg. He's coached a lot of comedians. And I'm like, oh, just, just let it lose. Let's just. I was even afraid of comedy. I didn't think I had it. And I took a course with him, really. And, uh, you know, at the end of the course, you you go at the belly room at the comedy store. And I brought 17 friends at the time, I still remember. And everyone laughed. But I I just, I'm like, you know, maybe it's just because my friend, but still I had so much pleasure. I'm like, I'm going to do that two more times mm-hmm. with no friends. See, still, you know, people laugh and, and I get something. And I just two more times, at least I would have done that in my life. Right. And I did it two more times and I just, people seem to connect. I love it. And that was it. I mean, I, it was my life for four or five years. You know, I was almost every night on stage. I was, I don't think I was, sometimes I have a, have a regret that I was not a hardworking enough comedian. I mm. think I should have done, as you know, like four or five rooms a day. Yeah, to yeah. Be, to be, you know, to be really good and to be known. And I remember, so I did that, uh, uh, and I really had fun. And after three, four years, I'm like, uh, you know, so I did Last Comic Standing and a few TV shows. I was on 
MTV, uh, a bunch of shows on uh, MTV, e-entertainment, mm. a bunch of things. And then after a while, just I'm like, why not making a directing film, comedy film? I mean, I, I can write, and I used to be a business guy. I should be able to get some money around. And that's what happened. I get some money. I write a script, which I think was good enough. But I don't think, I have no regret, but I was trying to find a director, and no one could direct, and I had an opportunity to get a grant to go to China at the time, 2008. And I'm like, I need a director before. I called a few friends. Everyone's busy. I'll direct myself. I'm not a really visual guy, and I, I need a... So I don't think I made the greatest v movie of the time, but sort of this experience where I really went and, and had really fun with, my, with my, what I did, uh, I don't think it was the best comedy film in the world, but I really had fun. But I came in back in LA and having so much high expectation, which is the worst thing you want to have when you want to be happy, right? Expectation, high expectation, failure to 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 be happy. Right. And we could not, and I was really depressed. We could not film the 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 we could not distribute the film in 2010. I spent six months trying to distribute. And I was like I was depressed. I was just didn't to go to comedy club, and then, and then I'm like, I don't know. I just don't want to go on stage. I don't want to do anything anymore. <laughs> My wife dream of New York, and I'm like, okay, let's just change scene. Let's just go to New York. We just had like a really few thousand bucks, and I'm like, just let's see what happened. I don't know what I want to do. Anyway, we'll see. So I, we moved to LA. We moved to New York, March 2010, and 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 then that's when I get the the gig in Japan. And, you know, I did the gig in Japan, uh, being like sort of a nightclub promoter. I came back 2011. And then I'm like, do I go back to comedy now? I'm like, you know, and I remember meeting that agent, comedy agent. I'm like, now I'm 34, 35, 36 at the time. I'm like, if I go back to comedy, I, it has to be a career. I don't want it. it, it, it you know, there's a point where it's, it stopped to be just the fun right. and that's, you, you want to make it a career. And at the time I just got married and I'm like, you know, it has to be uh, and I remember meeting this agent, comedy agent next to the comedy seller. Right. And, and I would go sometime. I would not perform at the comedy seller because I had my, you know, in LA, I got my friends and I got, I was a bit known and I got my, you know, my, my, uh, my entries. And all of a sudden in New York, it's more hardcore. And people ask me, would you, you know, and I, and I was like, it'll take you two years to go to comedy seller. And while I was at a comedy store a lot in LA and I'm like, what? And, and, and I remember meeting this comedy agent. She had a real sort of a, you know, a straight talk to me. And she's like, I think you get the talent, you know, you get this French thing and you have the talent and you're quite funny. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to be a, a, a really good at it, but I think you have a, you have a chance if you, and, and read my, if you are ready to put the next three years of your life, into five clubs a night, and then you hang out, hang out with comedians until 2 a.m., so everyone's going to get friends and you're going to help you each other and you're ready to keep writing. Are you ready to do that for the next three, four years of your life? And I'm like, no. I'm like, I'm like, well, you can keep doing it as a fun, as an amateur. And I'm like, I just can't. I, I can't invest. I, I just, it's, it's fun. But it's a lot of work, as you know. So yeah. it, was a, it was a career-based decision. And to be transparent, sometimes I'm like, oh, 
what if I had stayed, right? What if I, but I was just yeah. not mentally ready. I was 35, 36 at the time, not mentally ready to put three, three more years and, and work harder than ever in comedy. I had so much fun. I mean, I really loved my time in LA as a comedian. I really had that fun. At the time was when I think it became of a, you know, when you don't, when the sort of the, the career move stuff, the, you, you go away from, so that's not sure. And I left comedy then. And I went, I did a mm -hmm. bit comedy again last time. And I don't think I've been comedy in eight years. Last time was 2013. I'm in South Africa and I'm, and I'm working as a, as a, as a sort of, you know, communication guy for this tech incubator. Mm -hmm. And at the time I'm, uh, I'm having a really good time. Right. With this tech incubator, and uh, and I go to comedy clubs at night just for the fun, and, fun. and I met really good people. You know, uh, some of the top uh, comedian of South Africa at the time. I met, I don't remember. But I didn't meet Trevor Noah. I think no, I don't. I don't know. I, I think he was on stage one time when I was, but I didn't meet him. We didn't chat that I know mm. uh, but the, the comedy scene in South Africa is amazing those guys are amazing because you know the whole apartheid thing and right. so now those comedians were the you know it's it's far away but it's not so far away right Mandela was 95 so it's not so far away the apartheid so those guys mixed feeling right those white and those black and those Indians and those you know, people looking like Trevor Noah, like mixed blood. They have mixed feelings. So, so, so the comedy is amazing. This comedy is raw, it's pure. I mean, I really enjoy, and uh, I enjoyed it. But there's like, okay, it has to be a passion thing. And I had the time because my wife was not next to me, so I could go to clubs at night. Right. And then I came back 2014 in New York, and that was it. I was like, no more time. I was building my business, my events. But I learned so much from comedy. I learned about connecting to a crowd, about storytelling. Everything I did since then, storytelling has been my main power, my, 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 yeah, my tool. Yeah. So, and I tell you the truth, every day now I have sort of a mantra, and every day I, I remind myself of what is it I'm grateful for, what is it I'm looking for, what are my dreams, what I'm doing now, why every day. Right. And I go to A to Z, A, B, C, D. Mm. And I go to A, B, C, C, as in California. And I think of my time in LA. And I'm so grateful to spend those years as a comedian mm. and having so much good time and learning everything I've learned on storytelling, on public speaking. I mean, this is why now I'm, I'm you know, compared to most French people, I'm really good on stage. Right. Uh, so I've got that, you know. And and there's, all, there's still a voice, I'm sure, like you. Yeah. It's like, I'll go back one day. Like, I want to go back. I mean, I still have part of me. I'm like, but it's such a different life. As you know, you need time to write. And you need yeah, to, so. it's a different, I, lo I, I love it. It's a big part of who I am, of who I, I was and who I am still. It's a great thing to have in your toolbox because. Yeah. Um, why did you leave? Why that, that? why did you get in and why did you leave? Uh I got in kind of almost like you in a lot of ways. It was basically I I was an actor and um 
So when I got out of college, I said to myself, look, all right, I want to try acting. And um, so, you know, I was going on different auditions. I hadn't really gotten anything until I got around probably around 25. I said to myself at 25, if I hadn't gotten my first role or my first something, then I'm just, that's it. I'm just going to abandon it. And so um, comedy started to creep. Like I was doing stand-up comedy in college, some of the college circuit stuff, but you know, it's, it's different, you know, it's a little different. And um, so I hadn't really, really taken it seriously to try to do it outside of college. And then when I think my 25th birthday was coming up, I was just like, all right, I got to do something. Otherwise, I'm going to have to give up my dream. And so I heard that there was an audition at um, for Showtime at the Apollo. And I was just like, all right, you know what? I'm just going to, this is it. This is going to be the test. If I can get up on that stage, I can do anything in life. And so I auditioned. Um, I had no, you know, my material was just terrible. I'm going to just say it was really terrible. Uh, but I, I got on the show and, um, and it was, it was the hardest three minutes of my entire life. And, um, I got booed off the stage, but I, to be honest, I walked out of that theater that day and I was just like, I can do anything now. I'm good. I, I have no fear. Like I had no fear of a lot of things like, um, asking, asking questions and talking to people. And because I've, I always felt like from that point forward, I was like, the worst thing anybody's going to do is ever say no. And no, never heard anything, you know? So the worst thing you could do is not try. And from that point forward, I just started, you know, going to comedy clubs here and there, you know, getting on stage where I could get on stage when I could get on stage. And, um, you know, the more you get laugh, I think laughs are contagious in the sense that once people start laughing at what you're, you're saying, you're like, oh, I, I, I can do this. This is people are paying, you know, this, this, but it's a lot of work. And it's this, you know, getting up on like, no matter how many times you get up on stage, um, it's every night is hard because you're, you're starting from the beginning every night or every show, because this is a whole different audience. You don't know what they're going to, how they're going to react. So um, it's not for everybody, but, um, and then I gave it up simply because for the same reason, I like, I didn't know if I wanted to um, dedicate that kind of time. And um, I didn't want it as bad. Maybe that's, you yeah. know, I yeah, think that's what it is comedy you have to want it you really have to want it you yeah really yeah yeah there's a really good book on this uh thanks for sharing uh it's an uh, it's a new yorker mark manson i don't know if you know this book the subtle art of not giving a fuck oh yeah i have that book yeah sure yeah and and he talks about this like it's not wanting it enough and the guy start he always loved writing and now he's a writer full-time on personal growth, really. But he said he also dreamed to be a, a rock star. 
Mm. And he said, it's just, he tried for like a couple of years, but he said, just, I didn't want it enough. Like, I just, I didn't like when there was like three people in the room and we had no money and we had to sleep in motels and was, we had no money to buy any food. And he's like, I just could not sustain it. I just, and I, I said, we like a, a real rock star that you have to be able to sustain. And this goal has to just, and he said, I'm not able to sustain the sacrifice, mm. but I'm okay to sustain the sacrifice of being a writer, being a writer, being alone in one room. And, and this is okay. So to be in a room with three people that listen to you, try to do music is too tough on me. But right. writing books and not being published right. for years, it's okay. I can endure. So it's whatever you can endure until it just pops up, right? Mm. And, 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 and I guess some, and I think it's this, but it also, and for some people, you, it's, I mean, I'm thinking now, right? I can endure now, like basically investors saying no to me for my platform now. I just, I have it in me to just, until it says yes, and we're going to build a platform. Right now, I can, I could have endured that thing in that, because I never wanted what I'm doing now before, three years ago. Now I want it bad. Right. And for a certain, but for a certain period of time, right? I don't know if I, I mean, but I think I really want it so bad now that it's going to happen now. Right. It, so it's, yeah, it's a fascinating uh, story. Why we keep doing the things we, why we leave it and why we change. And, 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 uh, and this is why America again is one of the best in the world for that, for, for risking it all, right. For the failure of uh, the, the, the celebrating failure in America where it's okay, no matter how many times you fail, it's, you know, how many times you, you bounce back, you, yep. you, and it does not exist in Europe. I've been back for one year. Can you believe it does not exist? No. It's unbelievable. I mean, people, there's so much talent, brilliant. I mean, brilliant people, people, but they just, the, the risk of failing is just so high. Like even in some young people, like America's got this. That's why people say, oh, it's terrible. What's happening in New York now with the pandemic? I'm like, yeah, it's terrible now. And people are leaving New York. And yeah, it's tough. But like everything else, New York, it might be two, three years tough, five years even. Yeah. But they'll get back and they're going to rise again because they just, they've seen it all. And yes, it's tough. Yeah. But even people leaving New York, they'll be back in three years. And 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 it's okay. And, yeah. and while it's... It's not as tough in France, for instance, because some people have help or it's, you know, it's not as expensive and, and you're sort of protected. You can't, you know, no one can take you out of an apartment, even if you've not paid for a year, right. for one year. And it's in, in America, it's not like this, right? And, and you can be fired from a job, even if the company is bankrupt. So it's so much protection, but it's too much. So people don't try their best. They don't... They don't just mm. put everything they have. So, you know, you have, you, 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 there's one thing America will always have going for her, you know, because America is a woman for me, of course, <laughs> for her, right? It's, it's this ability to just bounce back, mm. believing in so much in yourself. Every podcast I do in France, or I always say America, it's not America is the best country in the world, but, you know, the, 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 in terms of mindset, it's, no one can compete with an American myself. I'm just gonna go for it. I mean, everything I've seen it. I've, when when I spent I spent a total of four years in Japan, 
And I, the, the French guy that would go in Japan, they would be like the total nerds. They would learn 10,000 kanjis, kanjis, the, the yep. you know, Japanese letters. Mm -hmm. And they would speak perfect Japanese to a T. Right. And the American guy in Japan, many extroverts, just they speak bad Japanese. But they speak. They don't care. They just go for it. Yeah. And I was the only way. I was very American my way because I would be the same. I would speak extremely bad Japanese. Right. But I would just speak. I would just want to communicate. And I don't care. I make mistake. And and it's and you know that's something I. I mean I've always this is why I left to America for America when I was 16 years old right. for one year as a high school high school exchange student. I was in Georgia. Uh, it's not the easiest place to be, uh, but no. uh, at the time, uh, because I was being always around diversity. I had some black friends, right. and there was yeah, had, yeah, it was dangerous for me, like physically dangerous. Yeah, uh, at the time in uh, 1990, uh, in my high school, I was the only white guy eating with black guys. Right. Uh, it was it was tough, but but I learned at least about the mindset, the American mindset at the time, right. and that was something to this day that I think that's just so it, it's so in me. I mean, I was talking to a, a possible advisor, advisor today, mm. and he's like, "You're so American in your approach." It's just, <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah," and I'm like. I'm like, oh my god, am I going to find an investor in French? I'm like, I'm just, oh my god, it's just, I'm, 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 I, I sound French to you, I know, and even, you know, I guess I look French to, right. to you, right? Except for this die now, but, <laughs> but I, 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 I look French, I sound French, but my mindset is so Americanized, and I'm very proud of it, very, very proud of it, mm. to, to, to have the ability to to reinvent myself as often as I want and just believe it. And, 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 you know, when it's time to move on to do something else, I'll just move on. And I'll, I, I, I have this confidence that wherever I am in, in the world, I can find within me, the, 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 um, uh, I can find within myself the whatever it is, the tool, the the anchor to do better, to get what I want in some way. Right? Mm, that's it. That's all you can do, right? So that's all you can do, and then life decides for you. Yep, exactly. Uh, this was this was. Oh, before we go, real quick, uh, I have one last question for you. Sure, thanks. And my, it's really quick one, but uh, what? It, what would you say your spirit animal is? Dolphin and monkey, between a dolphin and a monkey, you know. I, yeah, I really, I'm a monkey sometimes. I like to just clown around. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm also this sweet guy, just, you know, raised, going with the wave and the flow. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, I'm between the monkey and the, and the dolphin. What, what about you? Because, you know, they're smart, they're happy. They're adaptive. They're highly intelligent. So, you know. And what about yours? Let me. Uh, I always thought I would. My spirit animal would be something like um, like a cheetah. Because, a cheetah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I I move fast in spurts. Okay. <laughs> I and um, and um, 
I guess. I'm, I'm, yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm cuddly. I'm cuddly yeah. to the right people. Okay. I. I, I can. You know, if I go back ten years ago when I saw you in your events, I kind of remember that this like, you know. This tall, handsome black guy who just move around, like talking to people, <laughs> connecting the room, just hi, hi, and just I know, was just go, going to figure it out. <laughs> you know, going from one energy to the next. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I guess it, it does uh, reflect who you are in a way. I I, I think um, what you're doing. And what you're planning on doing is going to be is fascinating. Is very is going to be much needed, especially in post COVID. Um, and um, I am curious to watch and see what what comes next for you. Thanks. Um, and if I can be of any help in any Thank way, you, yeah. you know, of course. Um, maybe 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 we'll uh, you know maybe we just. You know, we'll plan to do a stand-up for passion together with your connection and mine in New York when it, when things open up, because oh. we we're gonna want to, we will go and shoot in New York anyway. Some of my guys for our masterclass. Mm-hmm. I already know some of the people we will shoot and put on our platform, but maybe while we're there, we we plan together a, a, a stand-up for passion event, right? A big event I think somewhere. That would be when. fantastic, and I think I, you know, I I. I don't have half your experience in that in that field, but the one thing I do know is that pe- the pe- people need people need help. Sometimes, even without them knowing that they need help, and when they, I think they come to these events not expecting what they get, and right. they walk out. Right. They just, you know, I I like the feeling that it, that comes with helping people. Right. So. If that is something that people would find helpful, I am hundred percent in. Right. Thanks. Thanks. So let's let's do that. Let's plan on where we can travel and it's fine and yeah. And, and can't wait uh, till we, that happens. Um, we can't wait. But yeah, thanks a lot for um, for inviting me as a guest today. So finally, we get to yeah really know each other a bit more. Next time, yeah. I need to interview you. Makes me feel example. like we want, like I said, we will will continue to get to know each other. So I think yeah. this was this was awesome. Um, thank, uh, you. thank you so much for being on the podcast, everyone. Be sure to check out standupforpassion.com, or if you can find out if you want to check out Arno and find out more about what he's doing on arnocollery.com, or follow his new project that will, like you said, be launching really soon. Very soon, yeah. On 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 Instagram, yeah. And, uh, keep up with what he's doing because I, I'm curious about that one too. So very much so. So, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, this was another episode of the Drop the Mic podcast. I'm Darren Jenkins, and we will talk to everyone very soon. Thank you for listening.